Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. It's time to shift your paradigm, gain some inspiration, and get moving towards that next level of success. Hey, everybody. Today, we are talking with Laura Boyd, who's the founder and CEO of Leadership Delta. And we're going to talk about the future of leadership with someone who, I mean, she owns a company called Leadership Delta. She's clearly qualified for this. So I'm really excited because this is a conversation that is happening with all of our clients right now. Every leader I talk to is what skills do I need to build next, right? Where do I need the muscle built? What's that next thing from a leadership perspective? So thanks, Laura, for being here and for being willing to talk about this. Jamie, thank you so much for having me. It was it was so fun when you said, hey, do you want to do my podcast? I just, I love that. I go, of course, I love doing this kind of thing. So, and I love the fact that you can start a business and put leadership in it and then you become an expert. I, I like your definition of that. Hey, you're an expert in my book. And I just want to, you know, put the, the qualifier out there that um, Laura and I are both the type of people. I mean, everyone that's been listening knows I'm this way because I share every, I overshare but we are both open books. So we're, we have an approach and questions, but we're not sure where this is going to go. So tune in and, you know, it might be interesting to see how much of an open book we both become during this conversation. For sure. So speaking of being an open book, I would love you to start with your journey, right? We want to tell these stories of like, how do leaders get to this point in their success and, and what's that journey been like so that we can all learn from it, right? And also normalize that we're on the right path right? Or we're doing the right thing. So, so tell us a little bit about your journey and how it got you to what you're doing now. I certainly can, Jamie. I think one of the things that we have to remember is there's no right path, right? I didn't mean to use right again, but I just, I think it's interesting because I think when we start or, you know, get out of college, we think it's going to be very linear. Well, at least that's how I thought like, oh, this is what you do X, Y, and Z. And that's usually not how it ends up. So I just want everybody to know it's okay if your life kind of squiggles. So let me tell you a little bit about my journey. I actually, I love this part of me and I've really embraced it and owned it. And uh, I am a welfare kid. Love that. I have, uh, my father was chemically dependent. He had a massive heart attack at 36, passed away. We moved 18 times before I was uh, 18 actually. So the reason I love that is a couple of things. One is because my mom's amazing. That's my first thing. The second thing is I was able to change. I became someone that you just had to figure out how to change and how to move on and, and how do you progress through. And the third thing is, which is my superpower. So I'm excited to talk about that at some point, but uh, the third piece is connecting with people. Right. So you, ha- you go in these environments and, and especially, you know, middle school, high school, you're changing all the time that you have to figure out a way to connect with others so that you're not feeling isolated and you're not sitting in the corner and those, that type of feeling. So that's my journey from, you know, the younger side and then going to college, ending up uh, being in marketing for a long time at 30 years old my boss gets terminated and the CEO says to me, can you be the chief marketing officer? I'm like, what? No, absolutely not. I'm 30. Like, I don't even know what I'm talking about half the time. 
So it was really interesting. I, I said yes. And uh, it was an interesting pivotal point of my career that I said yes, first of all, but secondly, that I actually was pretty successful. I made a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes. And I learned from them, which was awesome. Uh, but it was a pretty successful journey. It was excellent. And then continued to stay in marketing. But six years ago, when I left an organization, kind of, I walked out the door without really knowing what I was going to be when I grow up, walked out and said, okay, what, where am I being led? What, what's my next step? And everybody assumed it was going to be marketing, right? Because that was my career. But interestingly enough, I do, I had my master's in organizational leadership from the early night or the late nineties and uh, certified in change management. So I love the side of leadership. And so I just decided I'm going to take my experience as a leader. I'm going to use my education. And then I also invested in leadership curriculum because that was the other part too, is I'd never been in human resources. So when you think of leadership, people think, oh, well, you're supposed to be in human resources. So that's like a thought I always had in my head. And uh, so that's how the journey began six years ago. And it's just been awesome. It's been so fun. And I love working with leaders. So a couple of really key important lessons here. Your journey is your journey and it's meant to happen. It's even when people have things that weren't wonderful, right? Early in their show, it's meant to build you to who you're supposed to be. And I think sometimes we are ashamed, right? There's a lot of shame in our, you know, where we're at and are people going to, but it's all part of who's made you who you are, right? That resiliency, like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, like people would pay for that to have some of those muscles, right? That you had to build. You didn't have a choice. Um, and that connection piece, I think, is so powerful. And then the message that a, a, a degree is a degree, experience is experience, but you are not locked into that for the rest of your life because there becomes a point in your experience where you were just as much a leader as you were a marketer. You were probably more of a leader than you were a marketer at some point. And I think people get stuck in that they can't cross those chasms between titles and roles. And you probably see this in your leadership programs, right? Leaders that are struggling with that. And I just, I love the approach that you took to, to go towards a passion versus stay in a skill set. Because that's the easy route is just to stay in the area that you knew, right? Yes, very true. And that's, that's interesting because it, it's funny when I, the first time I meet with a leadership development group, I'll say, okay, how many of you are leaders? And I'll get maybe 50% raising their hand. And I say, why is this not 100%? I don't care what your title is. I don't care if you're a VP or whatever you are. We all have the capacity to be leaders. And some of us have the opportunity where we were born with maybe more leadership skills and abilities, just like athletics, right? Just like academics, just like music. I mean, we're all born with something bigger than others, but we can all develop it. I mean, I'm terrible at music. I don't think I had a lot of music in, you know, as part of my DNA, but I played the trumpet, went to the Rose Bowl parade. So there's that opportunity. Now it was also because cute boys were in the marching band. So let's just be honest a little bit. Transparent. (laughs) Thank you for that. Anyway, so I think that's a part of it, but I, I do think that we have the ability to continue to develop leadership as, as a skill set. We just, we do. So it's not something you're born with. And I, I hear that from people too, but right. it, it's something that if you choose to, you can develop it. 
And I think there's a step even past that, that I think we have a responsibility to develop. Tell me more, Jamie. The state of our world, I don't care if you're the soccer coach or you're on the PTA or you're right a leader in an organization, leadership, like true authentic leadership is what is going to heal us from some of the things we're, we're working on. And I don't, and I, when I say responsibility, I, I, back to you, I don't care about a title. I think we all have a responsibility to act like leaders in our communities and our families and in our, and it does, that doesn't mean it's a title thing. It just means we need to be thinking that way and caring about others, right. And coaching and, and spending our time doing that. I think the world would be a little different place. So yes. a little deep, but that's what I believe. No, I love it. Well, and if I can take that one step further, not deeper, just on the side, mm-hmm. but more about when you think of leaders, I get this a lot too, especially at that middle management. They're like, well, I have, I, I can't do anything about it because of the leaders above me act a certain way. So if you think about that in our world today, based on your comment, mm-hmm. if you think about that, here's the thing is that we have that responsibility what can we do? Because when you think about it, we only have control over ourselves and how we respond to life is how we can influence others. Right. Right. And so I think that just enhances uh, your comment then too, because I totally agree with you. Well, and I was listening to a podcast. It's probably been six months now. Simon Sinek was on a podcast talking about this. And he said something that I was like, like, duh. Yes. He said he gets leaders coming to them a lot to say, I'm under a bad leader, right? And they're trying to develop as leaders and, and they're wondering, how can I influence them to be better? And what he said is, you don't, you just be the best leader you can be. And you will naturally influence people around you because people will be drawn to you. And the person above you will see people are drawn to you, right? And the, the approach you're taking. And so it's, it's kind of that you do you and don't stop trying to change other leaders around you. But if you model it, that's the dent that you can make, right? I mean, that's the impact you can have. And it was just a beautiful right. way of thinking about it because it takes that pressure off that we have to change someone else. Right. It's just how you show up. It's how you're responding to life and that will influence others. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. We're like already deep into this. We got to, we got to take a step back because I need, you started to talk about your superpower a little bit. And, and I think we understand what it is a little bit, but what is that superpower or superpowers that's really helped you get to this point? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's so hard because all of us have so many superpowers, but when you say super, right. then it's like, okay, you've got one or two. And interestingly, I, I was like, I have to kind of come up with something kitschy, like a power, right? So I was thinking, uh, my superpower is human magnet. I like it. Talk more. Okay. So here's what, so stay with me. So I'm thinking, it's not like everybody's attracted to me, but more what I love, I have the belief and the positivity that people are good and that there's a good in everybody. So when you think of magnets, it's, it's about how can you attract other people and how can you help other people connect? I mean, Brene Brown says this all the time, right? We're, we're hardwired for connection. Yes. Bam, drop the mic. But the piece of that is who helps you, who is part of that connection for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that that's something as a, as a superpower I love is how do you have groups work together and, and really connect with each other and kind of finding those types of things. So 
I love doing that. I, I love the opportunity too to, to connect while I'm speaking mm-hmm. or while I'm doing leadership development. I love connecting with people like just in the audience or just connecting with you and I, and that, that connection has to start with trust. Right. So you kind of, you have to be trustworthy first mm-hmm. and give trust first. Yeah. And that, so, that's beautiful. And I'm, I see the t-shirt already. Like you need the human magnet t-shirt that you need to you know, make and wear well if only if i could and if we can make a movie with ryan reynolds okay well um and he could be in my shirt too there's only so much i can do but i like now you're asking a lot but I, i'll see what i can do about that to see if i can help in any way put it out in the universe. if anybody knows ryan have him call laura yeah all right so i want to dive into this topic about the future of leadership and because you do this all day every day right you work with leaders what are some of the trends, those skills that you're seeing evolve? They've probably always been important, but like seeing kind of come to the forefront for leaders to really be focusing on going forward. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things that are evolving, especially as we're moving into this hybrid, uh, you know, first virtual, now hybrid world. But I think one of the things that I've noticed in, in the six years I've had the business and obviously even before that, but we're not in a command and control world anymore. We have raised these upcoming generations with curiosity, which is awesome, right? But with curiosity comes wanting to know why, wanting to be part of the collaboration, trying to be innovative alongside. And so sometimes leaders get frustrated with that because they are used to, they were you know, kind of raised to be command and control. And so I've had leaders say to me, why do I need to communicate how they want to be communicated to? Which just puts a dagger in my heart because I'm like, okay, we got to step back. We got to step back. But I mean, so I think that that's, that's a big piece that's been evolving is that we're starting to get out of the command and control and more into the collaborative uh, leadership. You know, we hear servant leadership all the time. And it's so interesting because I am going to write a book that the title is going to say servant leadership. Is there any other kind? Because for you to be a leader, you've got to go back to your why. Like, why am I a leader? Is it for the money? Is it for the titles, prestige? What is it? What paradigm am I seeing that world through? Right. And it's about us taking a step back saying, why do I want to be a leader? I mean, this gentleman that said, why do I have to speak like they want to be spoken to? And then I go back to him and say, why do you want to be a leader? Right. It's a requirement for the job. And yeah. we, call, we call it conscious leadership is kind of the term we use in our trainings. But it's the similar thing is if you're going to be a leader, you need to have love, care and respect for your people. Right. The L word in a business environment that it's required. And if you don't right. take that stuff, no harm, no foul. But you shouldn't be in the leadership role. You should be doing something else that's more in your passion area. Right. And the challenge is those people have um, been able to get away with so much, typically because they're technically expert, right? I've been here for 27 years and I'm the only one that knows this. Well, you're the only one that knows this because you've lived in a command and control world. And so you don't want to share that information. So um, it's a little bit of that. It's also a little bit of uh, the profession like I think of CPAs and architects and engineers, they're in a profession that they have to be perfect. We don't need buildings falling down. So when you have that mindset and you have you live your life like that, 
how does that vulnerability come into play? How can I raise my hand and say, Jamie, I need help. Right. So I think that we're going to start to see that I think the generations will start to adopt that. But some of the more experienced leaders need to pause and be okay with it. Right. And they have to evolve. I mean, this is the pieces I think we've experienced over the last two years is the the pace, the business, the way it works, people's mental health. There's been so many things that have changed so fast and they were coming, but it was like an accelerant that we put on it. And that's where I don't think leaders had time to evolve at the pace maybe they wanted to evolve. And now there's just, there's points where it's like, you just, you need to take a different approach than you've taken in the past ever. And I just had this conversation yesterday with a client. When you talk about the generation, the command and control, the innovation and collaboration is, you know, the stereotypical millennial Gen Z. Now we're hearing about that too, is that they're needy, right? They want to move up quickly. They switch jobs. And we were talking about it and a leader said that. And I said, time out. I said, they're bored. You're not challenging them, right? They think the only way they get another challenge and get to be innovative and do the things that they're good at is to take the next level or to go to a different company because we are not maximizing the skills they bring that are different than what you and I built, right? In a command and control environment. Right. And it's right. like, okay, so stop thinking of them as needy and they're ladder climbers and they're, you know, think of it as like, what are they looking for that we're not providing? Right. And that we're afraid to ask. Right. Because we don't want the answers. And I kind of say, if you ask that question, when you ask a bear to dance, you can't tell that bear when you're going to stop dancing. Right. So I, th- I think that if we are going to ask that question, let's be honest about what the outcome can potentially be. And those kind, those kinds of conversations need to happen too. And here's the, the other part about leadership is that communication. Right. Effective communication is so challenging. And I, what I'm seeing a lot of times is we say, well, we're Minnesota nice. Mm-hmm. It's, nice. it's not nice. Right. Right. To not have clarity. Because once you actually, I always say there's clarity in conflict. And Brene says, Clear as kind, right? I mean, it's all about that, but it's how you do it. Right. If I'm going to be an act, say something inappropriate or something where I flew off the handle. And, and sometimes, yes, we do that. We have to go back and apologize and whatnot. But I think the key part is how do you consistently communicate and are you sharing the vision and clear expectations? Yeah. Why do you, and we kind of touched on this, why do you think some leaders struggle with some of these skills and developing them or it takes them longer? Um, And why do you think some just don't as much? Are there other factors, other things in the the background that are causing that? Well, from what I see, uh, the biggest thing is fear. So if you think of it, when I think of how people see the world, there's a whole bunch of different paradigms, but the four that I really focus on is fear, right? And if we are making decisions on fear, imagine how our decisions are going to end up. The second is duty. So what's the status quo? I'm just doing things just because people expect me to do it this way or expect me to have this title or to lead this way. The third is achievement which if I'm being honest, that's where I lived most of my career. And I talk about that a lot. How do somebody said, Lord, you get to the top of the mountain, you say, where's the next highest mountain? And so on and so forth. That's living in the achievement paradigm. 
And then the fourth one is that integrity paradigm. And that's when you can see yourself doing things that are consistent with your guiding principles and values. Yeah. So I, I think that's where most often you get stuck in the fear because especially if we have a lot of people retired or, you know, like the five years from retirement, if they let go, does that mean that they could get fired at any point? And businesses, they do fire. I've seen a lot of my friends now that we're in our fifties, they have been laid off mm-hmm. and they've been really high in their positions and they have been laid off. So there's, I understand where they're coming from a little bit, mm-hmm. but what if you were the best leader you could be? What would that look like for you? Right. And it's refocusing your energy sometimes to doing that and to building that instead of a skill set anymore, right? right? To the point where you reach where you're probably good on your skill set side and now there's other muscles and, and other things that you need to develop. So to leaders that are listening and going, oh, yes, I need to be better, where it's overwhelming. Let's be honest. I mean, it's overwhelming. And, and none of us are perfectly, it just doesn't exist. And we always have things we need to learn. But simplifying and like taking a step back, where do you suggest they start to find out where they need to grow and how they grow? Yes. And so I, I'm a huge believer in small hinges move big doors. So I think a lot of times when people want to lose weight, they're like, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to run 5k and all this other stuff. And then they get to the gym and they run their five miles and the next day they're so sore. And then they're, they don't go back again. Mm-hmm. So if they would have just done like 0.25 miles every day and kept adding up and adding up until they reached their goal, that's the muscle memory, right? So it's starting small. And I know, I, I know you've talked about this on your podcast in the, in the past, but it's about what's that first step that you're going to take. You might not know the 10th step, but we're going to just focus on what's the one right in front of us. What can we do? So this is where I go back to saying, what are you aware of of yourself? What are some things that you are aware of that you'd want to develop? Right. Right? And then the second thing is what's your desire to change that for yourself? Hmm. What's your desire to change? And then the third piece is what's your commitment? So if you do have the desire What's your commitment to that? And then the last piece is practice and fail and practice and fail. So it's hard as leaders to say, I'm going to fail at something, but everybody does. And then that's where the vulnerability comes in and you own it. Right. And that commitment piece is an interesting one because I think people have false commitment. They think they're committed until it gets hard, right? That's, that's the running I'm committed until mile three. And then I'm like, this sucks. I'm just like, right. It just, that's, we aren't fully committed unless we're willing to go through the hard parts because we know there's something on the other side. And so I think there's a lot of false commitment out there from people who say they want to change, but they're not fully committed to what it's going to take. Right. And Jamie, I love that because it's so funny when, when you think of, when you go into businesses and they say, Oh, Jamie, can you help us with our leadership development or can you help us with X, Y, and Z? And, and you have, you know, 25 people in the room and you're like, this is great. They're all committed. And there's maybe three that are like, I'm going to, I really want to see a difference. I want to make a change. And the other 22 are just part of it. Right. You know, and hopefully they'll pick up on one nugget. Mm -hmm. And that's what, in all of our trainings, and I'm sure you do this too, is this is like, 
pick one commitment, right? Everything we've even talked about today. Don't try to like fix all of this. Pick one thing that you're going to commit to, fail at, get better at, right? And just kind of see it through and then build the next muscle. Like don't try to build it all. This isn't a full body, you know, kind of thing. Like pick one muscle at a time. For sure. For sure. I think the best example of anything like this is eating healthy. So I'm on day four, I think of a seven day monk of business, (laughs) eating healthy thing. And I'm on day four and I'm like, okay, I've done really well day four, but it's hard, right? But I can do hard things. So you've already done four days. You can do the last three. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So I think that that's where people need to come in. I can do hard things. And so I'm committed to this, a true commitment. I'm not, I'm I'm not a prisoner. I'm a participant in the process. Right. And you see it as an investment versus something painful that you have to do. You get to do. I think that's a big mental difference as well. Any other words of wisdom or advice just for the leaders who are listening based on, I mean, you do this work all day, every day. Uh, I think there's so many pieces of advice, but I, I do think that if you think about what's the, the foundation of everything in terms of relationships and building teams, it is that trust. And Lencioni talks about this a lot, right? That the foundation is trust. And so how I define trust is that it's the confidence we have in our relationship with others. Hmm. So it's the confidence we have in our relationship with others. So when you're trying to build that, it's not about necessarily, okay, I said I was getting this to you at, you know, three o'clock and I got it to you at 302, but it's more about calling and saying, Hey, I can't get this to you until later. Right. That's a vulnerable trust. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that, I mean, that's a small example, but it, it's about connecting with people from a vulnerability standpoint and being open so that that trust is there. Right. And, and you have to do that in good times so that it's there in the times when you need to actually lean on it. And that's the problem. Sometimes we wait until it's the hard time. And that's not the time to try to build the trust necessarily. I mean, you you can in small ways, but we've got to build it during times of challenge, right? But positive challenge and, 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 and use the muscles then. Right. And I know that some people have been burned from a vulnerable standpoint. I, I can totally appreciate that. But again, I think it's those small steps that you can make towards building those relationships. And especially if we're going to be virtual with people, that's a, that's a harder way to connect. Right. Um, it, it's kind of an imposter connection, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't see them face to face. So you, we've got to come up with ways to connect with people virtually. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So people want, they, we've now convinced them they all need to level up their leadership skills, just like you and I do. How can they connect with you? How can they find out more about Leadership Delta and the programs that you have, that you do this to help leaders in their growth? What's the best way for them to get more info? So I think the best way, and I'm assuming you'll have everything on the the show notes, but it's um, leadershipdelta.com. So I'm not part of the airline and I'm also not part of this terrible COVID variant. So I am about leadership and and Delta is really about change. And so it's leadershipdelta.com. And the other thing is we have a book, uh, Words That Work for Leaders. And it's just a more of a journal. It gives you 31 days of words to focus on. So we talk about those small steps. It's one day a day, one day, one word a day. 
and it's on Amazon. You can find it anywhere, um, but it's words that work for leaders. And it just, and it kind of is more of a journal, like confidence might be a word. What are you going to do today to show somebody that they have, or, you know, to help somebody find their confidence, whatever it is. So it's a great reminder. That is a great first step. Everybody go buy that journal, which I'm going to do. I didn't even know that was out there. So that's, that's amazing. Um, because again, it's all about making it approachable. This isn't mag, like transformative change in a short period of time. This is the small hinges, you know, close big door. Yeah. It's, it's each of it's the small things that are going to add up for so, sure. So I love that approach. Thank you for being here and for having this conversation. It was a delight. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. So thank you so much. Yeah. And to everybody listening, you know, again, I say this, but I really mean it is these podcasts are meant to be small paradigm shifts, maybe things you already know that you needed to be reminded of. So if there's something in this that your team needs to hear, right, that that somebody that you know needs to hear, that's what these podcasts are for. Share them. Send it to somebody and say, this is what we were just talking about. I think you should listen to what they, you know, what they're talking about in this podcast. And that's what I want it to be. Small consumable bites that we're making these small steps forward and we're getting better because it's what our organizations need. It's what our communities need. And it's truly what society needs to make sure we are sending people home better than when they came to us as leaders. So thanks everybody for listening in. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please click that little subscribe button so you get the latest episodes when we release them. And we would so appreciate a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you on how these podcast topics are having an impact for you. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter, make sure and go to our website, keystonegroupintl.com to sign up.